Well, before we uh, dive into the message today, I want to invite those here in the well and those upstairs in the Well Cafe, would you join me in expressing thanks to our worship teams for making Christmas so special for us with their music? I, uh, I really appreciate the work that they do. They put a lot of effort and, and time into making sure that Christmas is special for you. And, uh, and that, of course, will continue in our Christmas Eve opportunities. But I appreciate you celebrating with me their, the gift that they share with us in, in the way that they lead us uh, each and every week. I want to welcome you today, especially if you're here for the first time, whether here in the chapel at the well or those upstairs uh, in the Well Cafe. My name is David, and I serve as a senior pastor here. And if it's your very first time here, welcome to First Methodist. We're glad that you are here here and uh, hope you'll be with us this week as we celebrate an exciting and important week uh, with Christmas Eve coming up and, and the uh, 45 services that we offer uh, for you to come and celebrate Christmas Eve. If you would do me a favor right now, I want everyone to pull out your bulletin, okay? If you will pull out your bulletin and in the center section of that, you're going to see the list of Christmas Eve opportunities, which you've probably already heard about a couple times uh, in the service that you're attending today. But you'll see that list. You'll also see the different opportunities that we have at those services. So if, if you would like to come and have your kids be a part of a living nativity, there's three options to do that. There's Christmas Eve Eve on the 23rd at 6 o'clock, as well as 2 and 4 uh, on the 24th. I will give you a hint. It's a special hint. Uh, if, if you want to have a little bit of extra breathing room, come at 2 o'clock. Okay, we'll be pretty four, pretty full at 4 and, and 6 o'clock. We'll have services that, uh, that kind of mirror the, uh, the, the music that you've heard at this service. Uh, we'll also have some that have the choir and the orchestra. We have, again, lots of opportunities. What I want, the reason I want you to look at that is I want you to pick right now which service you're going to go to. Okay, I want you to establish in your head, this is what I'm going to, because when you leave here today, between now and the 23rd or the 24th, whichever time you're coming, you're going to see people, okay? If you haven't done your Christmas shopping yet, you're going to see a lot of people, all right? And as you see people, I want you to think about that every person you have the opportunity to invite to Christmas is a person that we get to share the gift of Christmas with. So again, if you're out and you're just stressed because there's so much traffic and there's so many people at the mall, don't be stressed. Just look at all of these people as opportunity, <laughs> opportunity for you to share and invite to experience Christmas Eve. Um, it is our gift, and, and, and each person that you invite is an opportunity for us to, to share that gift with others. And so I really want to encourage you to do that. This morning, I was encouraged. I was greeting people on the other side of the sanctuary for the 930 service, and a family of four walked in, and every single one of them had their Bible as they were coming into worship. Uh, that was one of the things I, I shared with you last week, that one of my hopes and dreams for our church is that as you come to worship, people would come in with their, with their Bible. Uh, because I want you, in the course of your involvement here at First Methodist, I want you to fall in love with the scriptures. I want you, in, in listening to uh, a message each weekend, I, I want you to be engaged in, in your Bible that you're going to then take into your own personal devotion time uh, throughout the week. And, and in that process, for you to fall in love with the scriptures and in that also to fall in love with Jesus. That's our hope and our prayer for you. So if you don't have a Bible, you still have uh, you know, some people you can ask uh, to, to get you a Bible for Christmas. So uh, I want to encourage you to do that. If you have your Bible, 
Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Um, if you did not bring your Bible this morning, there's a blue Bible in the chair in front of you. There's also some Bibles upstairs uh, in the Well Cafe. In the blue Bibles that we have provided for you, Colossians 1 is on page 1829. And here's what I would encourage you to do. I want you to take your index finger, okay, and, and just put it right there at Colossians chapter 1. That's in the New Testament. And then also flip over to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1, which is on page 1646 in your Blue Bible. We're going we're gonna to jump around a little bit today. We're going to have two scriptures. This is going to be double the fun, okay, uh, today as we move through this fourth message of this series of Baby Changes Everything. What we've been talking about is how Jesus changed everything. How this moment in human history changed everything about our world. We've been walking, walking through that. Last week, I read to you from John 1, verse 18. So if you look there, this is what you're going to find. No one has ever seen God, John says, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. So last week we talked about that what Jesus does as he comes into our world is he reveals to us the heart of God. Jesus takes the blinders off. He helps us to see the full picture of who God's, God is, God's holiness and God's grace. For us to have a full appreciation for who God is and how God seeks to live in relationship with us. Jesus reveals a God that is not defined by judgment and condemnation, but a God who is defined by love and grace and God's deep desire to share that with the world. And so as you follow along in the life of Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, what Jesus is continually doing is saying, this is who God is. This is what God is like. He is continually pointing to this picture. He's helping us to see an expand, an expanded way, a, a fuller way, who God is, the heart of God, the love of God, the grace of God. That's what Jesus does throughout his life. That's the picture that Jesus reveals of God. What we're going to look at today is how in the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus puts that picture into action. So throughout the teaching, throughout the life of Jesus, Jesus, he's pointing. He's continually pointing. He's, he's showing a picture. This is who God is. But in the death and resurrection of Jesus, what Jesus does is he puts that picture into action. And we're going to look at how in Colossians... Paul talks about what that means for us, what Jesus has done for us, how he has acted on God's behalf to bring to us and to reveal to us the love and the grace of God. So Colossians 1, beginning in verse 15, we're going to begin there. The first thing Paul says is this, the Son, referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Now that you should hear in that an echo back to John chapter 1. Remember what John said, no one has ever seen God. But the, the son who is in closest relationship with the father has made him known. Paul says, the invisible God, you've never seen him, but Jesus is the image of God. Jesus, in the way that he lived his life, his death and his resurrection, is a revelation of who God is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, this is a bit of a new idea for us. What Paul is saying is that Jesus existed before he was born. Jesus existed before he was born. Verse 16, for in him, Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, 
all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So we start with this very, uh, th- this idea that's very similar to John. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He adds to that he's the firstborn of all creation. He existed before the creation of the world. So if you want to know where, about that, where do you turn? You turn to page one in your Bible, okay? If you turn to page one, verse one, what you're going to find is these three words, in the beginning. And throughout that first chapter, you're going to hear narration of how God brought the world into being. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that Jesus was there, okay? Genesis 1, 1, very beginning of the scriptures. Paul in Colossians 1 is making the argument that Jesus was was there. Not only was he there, Paul is saying that Jesus was the very power that brought life to all creation. That Jesus was the force. That's not a Star Wars metaphor, okay? But Jesus was the force bringing all of life, animating life, and bringing creation into being. Jesus was the one who did that. Now, you may be thinking, okay, well, that, that, that may be a new thought for you. You may have never heard that before. Where did, where did Paul get that? Well, again, let's go back to John chapter 1. I'm telling you, you're getting your money's worth today. If you go to John chapter 1, verse 1, how does John begin his gospel? He begins his gospel with these three words, in the beginning. Now, that's not a coincidence, okay? John had read Genesis, John's reason for starting his story with these words in the beginning was to remind you of Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, here's what John says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John refers to Jesus as the Word, and John says the exact same thing that Paul says. That the Word was what brought creation into being. Now one more time, you go to page one, okay? You go to page one, you go to the Genesis account, you go to God's creation of the world. How does God create things? If you look at Genesis chapter one, here's what God does. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God's words are different than your words. You say, don't do that, and nothing happens, right? I mean, no one listens to you. But when God speaks, things happen. God's word is what animates creation. God's word is what breathes life into creation. John refers to Jesus as the word. Jesus being the very power that brought all of creation into being. He was there in the beginning. He was the word. He was the power. He is the word. He is the power. He is the one through whom all things have made. This is what Paul is saying about Jesus. That Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn. He's been there all along. And through him... All of creation was brought into being. Verse 18, he continues. He, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Verse 19, for God, the Father, was pleased to have all his, and if you've got your own Bible, underline this next word, 
God was pleased. Well, you can do it in the Blue Bible too. I mean, it's really important. The next person needs to see this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So here's the idea. Jesus was there in the very beginning. Jesus was the force, the power that brought life into all creation. And the fullness of God's power, the fullness of God's majesty, all of it, not some of it, not a little bit, not a sprinkling of it, all of that fullness entered into the world through Jesus. And that child, born in that Bethlehem stable, the fullness of God, the fullness of God's majesty and grace and love, all of God was present in that human form. That's what happened at Christmas. God came into the world, not part of God, not some of God, not a little bit of God, but the fullness of God. God was pleased, Paul writes, to have the fullness of God to dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile all things through what? His blood shed on the cross. So what Jesus does In his life and his death and resurrection, Jesus was the one who brought life into everything. And after the creation experienced a fall, after life was marred, because of sin, things got broken and things that were meant to be alive began to die. And what the the scriptures argue here is Jesus came into the world bringing the fullness of power to breathe life into the world again. The very power, the very power that started this whole thing came into the world to give it life again and to reconcile all things to God. Not some things, not just a few things, but everything. All of creation to bring it back into proper relationship with God through His blood shed on the cross. This is this cosmic, overarching, huge thing that was happening in Jesus. This is what Paul's talking about. But look at where he goes next. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. So we've been talking about we, right? We've been talking about everything. We've been talking about everybody. But in verse 21, Paul goes from we to you. Okay, he's talked about everybody and now he's talking about you just to make sure that you know that you is a part of everybody. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So this work that Jesus has done of the restoration of all creation, Paul says he's also done it in you. So here's here's some homework for you. Here's what you should do at some point this week. You should pull out a piece of paper and you should write down verse 21 and verse 22 of Colossians 1, but phrase it in a little bit different way. I think you should write down, once I was alienated from God, And I was an enemy in my mind because of my evil behavior. But now Jesus has reconciled me 
put your name in the blank. David, by Christ's physical body, through death to present me, David, holy in God's sight, without blemish and free from accusation. That's what Jesus has done for you. That is the gift of Christmas. In the midst of everything else that Christmas is about, and it's all good stuff, there's nothing wrong with all the other stuff of Christmas. Don't forget, this is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about that Jesus has come into your life, that Jesus wants to come into your life to reconcile you, to present you as holy without blemish or accusation of the Father. He's opened up a door. He's restored the relationship. He has breathed into the dead places in your heart and your life, the life that has always been yours from the very beginning. That's what Jesus does for you. So let's just, let's just practice something uh, real quick. You all know this. You learned this from your mama a long, long time ago. From the very first time that, that you could like respond when people gave you a gift. Do you remember when you were a little kid and it was your birthday or it was Christmas and, and, your, and your mama had to tell you that when you get a gift, what are you supposed to say? Doesn't matter what it is. Okay? You didn't want that sweater from grandma, you say thank you. You look her in the eye, you look him in the eye, you say thank you, right? That's what you do when you get a gift, you say thank you. Can you practice that with me? Can you say thank you? Thank you. If Christmas is about anything, it should be about our hearts saying thank you. It should be about our hearts saying thank you. It should be about recognizing again that we have been given this gift Maybe for some of us, it would be about saying for the first time, yes, Lord, I accept this gift. You have come to reconcile me to God, to, to clean out the, the clods, to take care of those dead spaces in my life, to breathe into me life again. And what can I say to that but thank you? If you don't do anything else at Christmas, you should say thank you because of the gift that Jesus has brought into your life. He has reconciled you by his physical body. That's what the death and resurrection has done for you. We should say thank you. And that's pretty good, but it actually gets better. Colossians 1 verse 27. We're going to jump down to verse 27. Paul is talking about his life, what his ministry is all about, what his message is all about. In the second half of verse 27, he says this, that his, his life and his message is about sharing the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus reveals God. Jesus was the power that brought all of life into being. Jesus brought that power into the world through his life, the birth, uh, all that he did in his teaching. And through his death and resurrection and through the acceptance of that gift in your life, that same power now lives in you. And what Paul says is, this is the mystery of the gospel. This is the secret. This is what it's all about. This is the hope of glory. That Christ and the power that reconciled all things, a power that is beyond your imagination, now lives in you. That's what Christmas is about. 
the gift that God has brought into your life, the presence of the Holy Spirit that empowers you to do what may seem, what may seem impossible. Let me see if I can help you understand what this, what this verse means. Uh, uh, some of you know that I have two kids. I have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old, which means that bedtime is a bit of a challenge for us, okay? It's, it's, it's not easy. The 24th will be impossible, okay? We're, we'll, at some point, we'll just be on our knees praying, Lord, Put them to sleep. Just put them to sleep. Whatever you have to do. My 11-year-old who forgets things all day long, at the end of the day, remembers everything. Like everything she has to do. She rem- Oh, one more thing. One more thing. I just got to do one more thing. She has gotten to this habit, and I know I shouldn't complain about this because one day I will grieve the loss of this. But she's gotten to this habit where she has to tell me good night. 72 times before she goes to bed. And every time she has to come over and give me a hug and give me a kiss, it's gotten to the point where I've said, I will not kiss you again. Go to bed. Go get in your bed. That's, that's kind of where we are. The seven-year-old, my seven-year-old son, he's at the point in his life where if he will just lay still for three and a half seconds, he will go to sleep. But man, three and a half seconds is a long time for a seven-year-old. So it's a real struggle. He's, he, he's got to get through that just short window of time. And if he does, I mean, he's just out. He's gone. I mean, he can fall asleep so quickly if he can just lay still, which is really challenging for the seven-year-old. And it's also challenging because sometimes while he's trying to lay real still and be a good boy, he'll hear something or he'll see a shadow. Something will happen and, and he'll get a little bit afraid. And so what does he do? He he comes walking out of his room. And when he walks out of his room, he's got this real sad face. Mom, Dad, I'm scared. (laughs) And then just the sweetest, I mean, you can't imagine. Can I sleep with you? No. No, you have to go back to your bed. Let's go look under the bed. There's no monsters here. Let's go look in the closet. There's no, you know, you know the drill, right? Like you go through all the things to make to make them feel comfortable. You don't have to be afraid. Everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Go back. You cannot sleep with us. You cannot sleep with. Go back to your. We have a nice bed for you. Look, it's great. You know, we look at all these stuffed animals. Yeah, go through everything. Well, I've stumbled upon something that for now is working. Okay, let me show you what it is. Uh, when he comes and he's got that sad, that sad face, I'm scared, Dad. I say, come here. I get him real close to me, and he kind of, you know, he's, he's looking down, but I, look at me. And I do this. Why are you laughing? This isn't, this isn't the funny part. Hold on. So I do this. I flex my bicep, my massive bicep here. And I grab his hand and and I put it on my bicep and I say, I want you to feel how strong your daddy is. That's not funny. (laughs) And you know what? When he puts his hand and he he squeezes that massive gun I've got right here, (laughs) that frown he has, it kind of turns into a smile. And I say, your daddy's strong, isn't he? He goes, yeah, you're strong. I said, I want you to go back to your bed, and I want you to remember that your daddy is strong. And because your daddy is strong, there is no reason for you to be afraid. And amazingly enough, he goes back to his bed and he goes to sleep. 
and he remembers that his daddy is strong. You know what Colossians 1.27 means? Your daddy is strong. Your daddy is strong. And because your daddy is strong, you have no reason to be afraid. No reason to be afraid. Your life is not defined by the capacity of your possibility. Your life is not defined by what you sense is your own weakness. You are not defined by the limits of your possibility because within you there is a power that is unlimited. Christ lives in you. This is the hope of the Christian life. This is what the Christian life is all about. It's not about becoming something more than you are right now. It is learning to live in relationship with this power that is already there. The power that brought everything that you can see, anything that you can hear, anything that you can touch, brought that into being is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and the power that lives in you. Which is why when, when sometimes in my own life, maybe in your life, when we find ourselves and we're praying, Lord, this relationship, oh, it's just never going to get better. It's so bad. Lord, this temptation I have in my life, it's just so strong. I don't know how, how I'm ever going to be able to get past it. Lord, there's, there's just this weakness that I cannot see. Lord, there's this sin that just, it won't, get, it won't leave me. It won't leave me alone. I think sometimes... God's heart in the midst of that prayer is just whispering into our heart, if only you knew, if only you knew, if only you knew, if only you had some way to tap into, if only you could see the power that lives in you. There is no relationship that is beyond the possibility of repair. There is no sin that, that you may be in bondage to that you cannot be set free free from. There is no temptation that, that can overcome the power that lives within you. There are possibilities that are available to you that you can't even imagine because of the power that lives in you. If only you knew. If only you knew. If only you knew that Christ lives in you. This is the hope. This is the secret. This is the mystery. This is what it's all about. Christ is in you. And Christmas should be about saying, thank you. Thank you, God, for giving us this gift. Thank you, God, for empowering. And Lord, give me a sense of the possibility that is available, not because of my strength, but because of your strength and your power that lives in me. Do not forget that your daddy is strong. And because of that, you have nothing to be afraid of. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pause to give you thanks for what you have done in our life for bringing the very power of God into the world. Bringing that power to bear on our sin and our sickness and those places in our heart that have grown cold.
and by your strength, Lord, for breathing life into our lives again. God, help us to take a next step in response to that truth, whatever that step might be. Maybe it is for the first time just saying, yes, thank you for the gift, receiving that gift. If that's the step for someone today, Lord, would you give them the courage to take that step? For some of us, Lord, it may be moving beyond a sense of of being paralyzed by our, our understanding of our weakness. And if that's where we are, Lord, help us to Help us to break free from that, from the bondage of the past, from the sin that seeks to separate us. Give us a sense of the possibility that is made available because of your power at work in us. Thank you, Lord, for being strong when we are weak, for having power that truly defines the capacity of our life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.